Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Are you ready? Let's get to it. The Wizards of Ops. What an amazing name for a community of operations professionals who truly have to be wizards to work their magic day in and day out to support revenue. This is the community that Brad Smith founded years ago to help bring operations folks together and give them a place to share and learn from each other. Then came Sonar, another offering that helps enable and optimize revenue operations by offering a blueprint for an increasingly complex tech stack. When Brad and I first met about a year ago, we got along immediately. And not just because Brad comes from a background of sales operations, revenue operations, and even Salesforce consultant, and he understands ops, but because he is genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met. So take a listen to this ops guru turned founder and CEO of a company that is solving real problems in the world of revenue. And as with every episode, you'll hear a surprise at the end, which will further convince you that Brad is just a wonderful leader and person. So excited to be here today with Brad Smith, the co-founder and CEO of Sonar, as well as the founder of the Wizards of Ops community. When thinking about the Revenue Engine podcast, I knew I wanted and needed to have Brad on the show. Brad's not only a leader in terms of driving revenue, but he's a huge advocate and supporter of the operations function, the community, and the people. For those of you who aren't familiar with Sonar, Sonar software essentially creates a blueprint for your tech stack, allowing you to have a platform to build, implement, update, monitor, and manage all of your revenue technology. So welcome, Brad, and thank you for joining me. Uh, Rosalind, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited to catch up with you, talk all things Revenue Engine. Um, again, I really appreciate <laughs> you, uh, you having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. I'm, I was really looking forward to catching up with you as well and just kind of sharing some of the things that you're doing. So why don't we just kind of dive in? Um, you know, I think oftentimes, you know, a business, an idea for a business really starts with solving a problem, right? Or fixing an error, or maybe it's addressing a mistake to prevent it from happening again. And I believe the origins of Sonar's story are really no different. <laughs> when you and your co-founder Jack decided to launch Sonar, it all started with a somewhat costly error. So can you take us back to that time and share how it all started? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're, <laughs> you're probably uh, making it, uh, making it sound like not as big of a disaster that I made uh, than I really did. But yeah, we'll, we'll start at the very beginning. Um, there were a few catalyst moments for us when we decided to start Sonar. Um, to, to kind of start from the very beginning, uh, obviously, a lot of my background almost exclusively is in operations. So put a word in front of it, and I did it. Sales ops, rev ops, marketing <laughs> ops. Uh, my very first one was professional services operations, believe it or not. And so um, I'm so familiar with the operations space. And I think the one thing that any anybody that's in operations that's listening to this will empathize with, we're brought on to be strategic. We're brought on to do things like help manage our funnel, help remove roadblocks, help increase efficiency, all great things. 
But there's also this pseudo thing that people just get voluntold to do, which is, hey, congratulations, you manage our tech stack, specifically Salesforce and everything that connects to it. And so when you think about the problem we're solving for now is um, enabling and empowering that person that has been voluntold to their tech stack, uh, we're removing roadblocks for them. But we'll understand why we do it and how we even got there to begin with. Uh, when I met Jack, you know, I was probably on my third operations role at that time. And we were working for a, a venture-backed company here in Atlanta, Gather Technologies. Uh, ended up exiting uh, actually just last year. So uh, really excited for them. But they, uh, when we met each other, we're about 50 people. And I just stepped into owning this tech stack. And um, I just remember, you know, we both started at the same time in that company. And I was about a month in. We were at a happy hour, I think. And I just went over to him. I was like, you're a smart guy. You're in the product and engineering world. I've got this kind of goofy you know, product technical issue that I run into often. Can you help me? He's like, yeah, fire away, man, shoot. And I told him, <laughs> I was like, you know, I inherited this tech stack, Salesforce, HubSpot, SalesLoft, you name it. We know all the typical players in a go-to-market tech stack. And I was like, Jack, I can't make a change to one field, like add a new pick list value here or modify something else there without something else breaking. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of documentation when I started this. Nobody wrote a really big handbook for me. And so I'm flying blind. You know, there's skeletons in the closet. And every time I, I make a change, there's a tripwire and I break something. He's like, that's, that's a problem for you? I was like, yeah, well, it's a big problem. Because anytime one of those things happen, it takes me away from being strategic. And I have to go back and be tactical and fix these things in order to get the team back up running. You know, a sales rep comes and stands on my desk and says, Brad, I can't create a quote to get it out. And, you're not going to help me sell this deal. And I've got, you know, a mouth to feed at home and things aren't closing and my hair's on fire. We all know that drill. And, you know, I explained that to him. He's like, that's so funny to me because we've somewhat solved for that on the engineering world. We have great systems that help us understand integrations and help us let us know when things are breaking. Things like GitHub and Datadog and PagerDuty. And I was like, those are great systems. Like, all right, I'm going to look into those. And I look into all of them and most aren't applicable to me because it's not the same tech stack. And so, you know, that was our first aha moment. We kept seeing those little fire drills. We fixed them. But it really wasn't until we were both working at another company here in Atlanta, Terminus, uh, Terminus Software, an ABM marketing application. And, you know, at that point, we weren't at a 50-person company. It was closer to 300. And I was owning the tech stack. And I was rolling out new products and price books like a good Salesforce admin does. And, you know, <laughs> I, I go and I deploy my solution at 12.01 a.m. You know, I, I put my old consulting hat back on. We skipped over that, but I did consulting for a while. And I, uh, you know, put my old consulting hat on and roll the solution out and hit go. And I test it for about an hour and I go to bed and I wake up the next morning to phone calls, text messages, Slack notifications, emails from all across the business. And this embodies RevOps now when we think about it, because what my boo-boo was, uh, that I didn't know I did, <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't accounting for ex external integrations. And one of those integrations updated the opportunity object at 2.33 a.m., come to find out the hard way. And I wiped out all of our revenue. I took us from at the time, like a like an $18 million run rate company to a $0 million <laughs> company. And we'll, we'll sit there for a second because I want to really, why we do what we do, because it helps on this RevOps framework, is because that impacts the whole company. Start at the top. If we don't have revenue, marketing doesn't really know who to, if there's no opportunity amounts or revenue amounts, 
our marketing doesn't know who to target for some of their campaigns. Uh, SDRs don't really know who to help market into and help to drive, you know, additional touches on sales reps. Unfortunately, they don't have a pipeline to manage because it all says zero. Um, <laughs> CSMs, they don't have their own renewals pipeline to manage because, again, it all says zero. Finance can't bill anybody. And so you quickly see that one small mistake can have a big ripple effect. And, you know, you zoom out of this. I've jumped into a conference room for about two days and I had to fix this big hairy mess that I started with. And we untangled it, but we, Jack and I retroed that and we looked at it and we're like, how can we prevent this? Well, if we can, if we can build a living, breathing blueprint for a tech stack, a go-to-market tech stack, you can essentially eliminate all of these blind spots of not knowing if you pull one trigger here, things break there. You need to know downstream impacts and that's exactly what we're solving for. So we learned the hard way, like you said. It wasn't the easiest route to get there, but we're solving problems that we're very familiar with and passionate about. That's awesome. It's it's interesting. A lot of the other founders that I've talked to have kind of a similar story, right? Something happened. They had some problem to solve or some some issue to resolve, and it out of that was born an idea, right? That became, yeah. hey, other companies could really use this as well. Um, so as you mentioned, you know, you spent all of most, you know, most of your career in either revenue operations, sales ops, it sounds like you've done, you know, all different kinds of operations, you mentioned that you've even been a Salesforce consultant. So you definitely not only understand operations, but you've literally lived and breathed it, right? It's a, it's a super interesting perspective, right? Because as the CEO of a company that's trying to solve real problems for operations, you get it, right? You really understand it. Um, so I think that really adds a, an interesting perspective and a lot of credibility, right, to what you're doing and kind of what the mission that you're on. So congratulations on your re, uh, last year's fundraise. I saw that you raised a $1.6 million last May. So congratulations okay. with that. Thank and I, you. I imagine you've done a great deal to accelerate the platform and the offering since then. So can you share more about, um, you know, more about, I guess, your vision for the company and for the platform? Yeah, of course. So I'd be remiss if I didn't tell a little bit about the story of how we got to where even that point of raising, you know, raising a seed round at 1.6. And we have incredible investors with, uh, we were led by Parade Venture Capital, Craft uh, Ventures, and uh, and Slack Fund, who all participated. And, you know, I, I will absolutely tell you exactly how we're using that money to evolve our platform and do everything else. But I think the interesting thing is we did this um, in a year of a pandemic. Um, when, when, you know, when you go and start a company, no one puts that into the, uh, the appendix of the pitch deck where it's like, here's what's going to happen if we run into this weird thing called COVID-19. But, um, you know, funny story, we closed that round actually on March 6th and that day will, you know, live in my brain forever because essentially the very next day the world stops spinning seemingly. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we were fortunate at that point. It was, it was Jack and I, we had a handful of folks helping on the engineering side, but, you know, kind of putting this platform together, you, you zoom out to where we are now, um, you know, still a lean mean team of 18, but, you know, from a growth perspective in a year's worth of time where you, you take on capital to go grow a business and, and continue to create your product. Um, you know, did we run into challenges during a, a year where typically I'd love to be on a whiteboard with my entire team and problem solving. And now we have to all do it virtually. It's, it's tough, but you know, we were, we were really fortunate with, again, the investors we have, the team that we put together. Uh, more importantly, what we're doing with, with that funding and what we're doing to accelerate the growth of our platform. Um, we don't make any decision if we don't hear about a pain point from one of our customers. 
Um, we are very much uh, led by the problems that we hear and see in the marketplace. Um, you know, early on in these companies like this, it's so important to establish that product feedback that you get from all of your early customers. Um, you know, we're excited. You know, we started with essentially zero customers, over 60 now, um, you know, continue to bring on new folks and yeah, new customers every day. And what I, what I think is most interesting with how we're building this platform, Jack specifically, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth, um, but I'll, I'll go to bat for him. He has such a great product vision of how to instill this DevOps type framework that he's so familiar with on the engineering and product side. How do we make our users and, and our product advocates more in line with making more safe changes and making things more efficiently you know, with less risk of breakage and not to over glamorize that, but we feel the pain of that. You know, when we roll out a new process or we put a new automation in place and it doesn't go the right way, you lose credibility with your go-to-market teams. It really does make that revenue engine and make everything go a little bit slower. And so our product vision with this is how do we enable and really empower these folks that own the tech stack, whether it be a sales ops, rev ops, marketing ops, Salesforce admin, Salesforce architect, business operations, we need to make sure that they have the level of confidence and clarity to go in and make these changes and really get back to business, keep growing the revenue. These, these systems that we all use empower us and enable us, but we actually need to do the, the people side of that. And we want to give those people hours back to the, to the folks that are really uh, you know, spinning their wheels and rolling their sleeves up and building this stuff. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm excited to learn more as well. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so you talked a little bit about revenue operations, right? And I think we've had a number of chats about operations, obviously, in the past, too, and kind of talking shop. But really, you know, I think more and more companies are realizing the requirement, really, to have break down those silos, have that seamless kind of uniform end-to-end -end revenue process, and really have that visibility into everything that's happening within your tech stack. Because your tech stack is getting more and more complex, right? I mean, it's a full-time job plus to manage the tech stack. Um, what have you seen sort of in, in the market, right, in terms of trends around revenue operations and especially around the management of that tech stack? Like, what have you seen sort of how it's evolved? Where do you see it going? Ooh. Great question. I I start by answering that. Let's let's rewind the clock a little bit and let's look back. Let's just call it five years. We don't have to go too far back into history, but yeah. <laughs> we look back. You know, you know, perhaps 2015, 2016 timeframe, and you look at a lot of the companies that we're working with now um, that are that are using Sonar, and more importantly, that are just managing high levels of very sophisticated technology. Five or six years ago, there was probably one person or maybe one department. And actually, if you rewind it further than that, most of the time IT was owning this. You know, you, you mm -hmm. really you fire up the DeLorean and go back 10 years. IT <laughs> owned, owned all this stuff, right? That was the buyer of most technology. Five years ago or so, you started to see one or two people in an organization, regardless of size, really. You had one sales mm -hmm. ops person or one systems ops person that was kind of owning it. And that person now has evolved. It's, you know, it's 2021 that person has evolved into a group. And now we're seeing this RevOps wave and, and I'm here for it. I love it. I, we're embracing <laughs> it. Um, but you see this, you see more folks getting into the mix and really owning some of this go-to-market technology. 
which is so validated. It's not just one person supporting one person supporting Salesforce that helps marketing and sales and customer success and finance and services do all this stuff. You've got these different operations professionals in each one of those. Now, whether you fully embrace the RevOps framework and you really have a centralized unit that's running it or you're still in silos, people grow at different paces. And we're here to help people do that, too. But the trend that I see in just this RevOps framework and how we're adopting this technology, uh, I know we're, we're on a podcast and nobody can actually see this, but you know, visualize this X and Y axis. And you have this one line, you're kind of growing at a specific rate and call that technology. Technology is increasing and it is getting more complex. It's getting more you know, machine learning and AI driven and things that are just so incredible to help us drive our companies. Now, there's a line below that. And that is the people that are tasked with embracing and adopting and configuring and managing. And unfortunately, they're growing at different rates. And Mm -hmm. the further along that we see this evolution goes, fast forward to 2025, perhaps, there's going to be a big gap between the level of sophistication that the technology is at and the person that is actually administering it. And it's a lot of our thesis. It's a lot of what we are trying to solve for. How do we help level that gap? How do we embrace and enable these people that need to know and manage this technology? How do we help them understand the complexities all behind it? Make them more efficient at their job. But it, it's it's objectively true that technology is growing faster, I think, than the people that are actually running it. And I'm excited to see how that landscape changes if I could had a crystal ball and could predict the future for five years from now to tell you exactly what it looks like, we uh we'd be we'd be on a different conversation and probably on a different company and everything else like that. <laughs> but it's I'm excited about it. I think it's going to continue to evolve. Um, where it goes, my hope is my hope for RevOps is that the systems, the technology, everything that we use to enable our user listens to our user. I think there are times that software gets ahead of our user and that when we build a solution, I made this joke and analogy with a customer the other day. The last thing we're going to do is build a Ferrari for you when you don't know how to drive a manual car because you're not going to get it out of first gear. And I think that happens often in technology. You build this just crazy machine, but nobody knows how to drive it quite yet. So my hope is we listen to our customers and we let our customers drive what we uh, what we do. That's how we embody it and embrace it here at Zonar. That's awesome. I love that. I love hearing that. I think just listening to your customers, understanding their pain points and kind of helping them or leveraging them to help develop your roadmap, right? And where you're going with the product. Love it. Um, So let's shift gears a little bit to something I I love talking about with you. (laughs) Let's talk about the Wizards of Ops. So first of all, what an amazing name. Every time I tell people about, hey, have you joined the Wizards of Ops? They was like, oh, that sounds really cool, right? And they immediately love the name because what an amazing name for a community of operations professionals, right? These are folks who truly have to be wizards, right? To juggle some of the, the demands, um, uh, day-to-day demands, especially in some of these smaller high growth companies, right? Where we know the teams are very lean. Oftentimes it's a team of one, right? It could be a team of two. It's pretty lean, um, especially as we think about the tech stack that we were just talking about, right? And how that's expanding. So tell me a little bit about how did the idea of Wizards of Ops come about? And what were sort of your original, kind of your original vision and original goals for the community? Yeah, uh, so it's it's interesting. People will will sometimes quickly ask me and, and, and tie Wizard of Ops to Sonar. 
And and I, and I don't mind that. Obviously, I'm kind of there's a common denominator, and it's me that started both. But uh, WizOps actually started well before Sonar did, um, even a couple of years, in fact. And it was based on the same premise that we drive the community in right now. We I was still a director of RevOps at Turbinus. Uh, I, at the time, I was a lean mean team of one. Uh, you know, I got to grow <laughs> and expand that team to you know five by the time I left, but. What was fun, or what what really was the the premise, and I would call it the catalyst moment for that uh, for that organization was, I was running into a problem. <laughs> I mean, here we are, you know, we're we're solving hard, <laughs> complex issues with technology, and uh, I did have one guy on my team. His name's Todd, and we were both trying to solve this. We're like, man, how? There's got to be somebody else that knows this. I know there is. Oh, ooh, ooh. Let's 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 call our buddy Mitchell. Um, Fast forward to today, Mitchell works with us. He's our, he's our sales engineer here at Sonar. So, um, you know, fun, fun, full circle story. But we knew Mitchell had the brains and the, you know, the, the wit to help us solve this problem we run into. And I remember looking one day and, and Todd had his phone out and he was actually like using his cell phone and trying to take a picture of his computer screen and text it to Mitchell, this three person text message. And I was like, dude, just, just slack that to him. It's like, well, we don't have a community that we're all in. Like, we don't have a shared Slack channel. It's like, Slack's free. Congratulations. We can create a new one. So we created it. And uh, that was the origination story. There, there's not much more glamorous than that. We were trying to solve a problem, and we knew we needed to talk to somebody else. And that's what – I love what Slack has built. Obviously, they're, they're one of our investors. Um, we're so close with them. And there's this whole trend of how do we collaborate better, which is what we're embedding in Sonar as well. But when we talk about – how did it come up? It was three people trying to solve a problem. What was cool about it? We didn't have any guardrails. We didn't have any rules. It was, we kept it open because we <laughs> wanted to keep asking each other questions. And, you know, I add Ben, Ben add John, John add Sarah, and you know, <laughs> organic growth. We didn't really have like a website or anything like that. You know, we just knew that there were a handful of people that we knew we could ask problems about or ask for issues and help and collaborate. And you mentioned this. You know, so many operations teams right now are still lean, mean armies of one or maybe two. And what happens so often is they don't have an outlet to ask these questions. I mean, you're in, you're in WizOps, you see it every day a lot. It gets very granular. People are like, hey, I'm running into this Apex issue. How do I resolve this? Um, hey, I'm running into something else. This validation rule won't fire the right way. Anybody have any thoughts? And what I find so unique about the persona, and this is why I think you and I both are so aligned on the RevOps framework and the people that are behind it. I think there is a genuine level of, one, curiosity, but also empathy and sentiment to people that are in that same role because they know that they are typically a potentially an understaffed group or just an army of one or two, and they need an outlet to ask these questions. And that's what we built this premise of this uh, community on. You know, fast forward to today, you know, it was three of us a couple of years ago, we're a little over 1,700 people uh, now. We we keep it very tight and intimate. You fill out a form, let us know if you're interested in joining. We're going to vet it out. We're going to see if you're an ops professional. I'm sorry for any sales reps that are on this call right now, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's, it's there's a lot of communities out there for that. But we want to keep it very genuine and very um, authentic and organic because, Everyone in there, me, you, we all love to help each other solve problems. And I think the minute that we, we stray away from that, it could get a little cloudy. And so not cloud-based intended, you know, no pun intended there. But <laughs> I think uh, 
I think we want to just continue to elevate the the operations community. It's uh, it's so important. It's a wave we're all riding. I'm here for it. You're here for it. Let's uh, let's build it together. But it's a great place for people to collaborate and network on it. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think there's been so many. I see so much dialogue going on in the community, and like you said, it could be something very very tactical, very very specific to a specific use case, and then somebody will pick it up. Right? Somebody said, "Yeah, I've done that before." So it's really interesting. And you know, community to me, as you said, is just so important, right? I think with COVID, the global pandemic, everyone working remotely, everybody interacting virtually, right? The need for the community has increased exponentially, right? Especially in the operations world where we keep saying, you know, teams are often already lean. So the need to be able to, you know, share best practices, learn from others, network, you know, with others is just so valuable. And I always talk about this ops therapy, right? Just getting therapy from others and talking the same language and knowing that you're not alone, right? That there are others are experiencing the same issue or same problems, I think is just very, it's it's actually therapeutic and it's very helpful, I think, for others. So what have you seen, I guess, have you seen sort of that impact in terms of growth and participation in the community this past, you know, the past year with with the global pandemic and i guess in what if anything you know have you seen has been um i guess different in terms of some of those interactions yeah it i will i don't know if i'm sure i'm not the first person to say it but um, hopefully it catches trend i i do believe 2020 was the year of the community um i, I think there are so many good things that have happened and, and not just in WizOps. let's let's elevate others um a couple of my best friends that are also in you know, community driven uh environments um aaron leader love him love what him and sam are doing over at revenue collective um you know aaron and i partnered on a uh this is the coolest thing we have two communities that are partnering <laughs> on surveys right now we're trying to get more involved in it, get i saw going. that <laughs> yeah same thing with um you know with pete kazanji and rich sergo with the msp folks love what jared's doing over at revenue collective uh there's just so many good ones i don't have slack pulled up so i don't have my full list of everybody that's going <laughs> on in communities but you know it is i think what we have found over the course of a year is that you know, unfortunately we were live events were taken away from us and i'm the biggest advocate i would so much rather be in person in a room with somebody than uh yeah than, than having to do it virtually but you know, here we are we work like those you live in I mean, we're going to make lemonade but I do think communities have just been so embraced. And I think if anything, you see the full value of it because 2020 was tough. There were layoffs. There were people that were unfortunately losing jobs. We we started a careers channel. We started to promote so many new openings. I think out, out of all the channels we have in WizOps, that is probably the most vibrant and the most uh, one, the one that probably drives the most traffic because again, RevOps folks are genuinely so empathetic and want to help. They see an opportunity, they're going to cast a net. You know, we've had, you know, tons of people come back to me and say, Hey, I just found my new job because of WizOps. And I'm like, I'm so excited about that. Thank you. Like, thank you for letting me know that. Um, You know, we're here for it. We want to help drive that and embrace it. But I, I do, I think the community participation over the last 12 months has been amazing. Another one of my best friends, mentor of mine, Max Altschuler. I'm, I'm trying to steal so much of his playbook with what he's done with Sales Hacker. <laughs> he's such a great guy. There, there's just so many good shout outs. I'm missing people, but I, it's not about WizOps. It's not about Sonar. It's very much about, I think, communities just elevate everyone. And it's yeah, my hope, my biggest hope is that we don't lose that on 2021. Um, I think that we should keep a, a, a very close eye on how we can continue to build 
build communities because it's it's the way of the future. I think we're all learning and benefiting from it. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, th- I think the other thing with the jobs channel that's interesting is I've seen a significant rise in operations openings since January. It's just, I can't tell you how many people have tapped me and say, hey, do you know somebody for this, somebody for that? There was one day when I think I had like four or five people reach out either for roles like, you know, hey, are you interested or do you know someone who's interested? And I was like, this is crazy. You know, it's just like there were so many and it's been a steady stream since 2021 started. So I think more and more companies are realizing um, because a lot of these roles are new. Also, they're newly created positions um, versus a replacement. So... Yeah, the ops world is growing. <laughs> I, I, I I couldn't agree more. And and I'm, I know you, you probably don't want to hear it, but I'm going to give you the shout out on that. I, there are people like you, like Jeff Ignacio, like Hillary Headley, like the, 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 the folks that I'm going to call some of these RevOps influencers that are helping drive this momentum. Because, again, uh, I'll be bullish on it. I have customers of ours tell us, like, you, do you know Rosalind? I was like, yeah, yeah, I know her pretty well. We're pretty good friends. She's like, building such a cool momentum on RevOps and everything. And I think it's because of, of you and all the other folks that help drive this awareness. And they see that teams work better than one person. Synergistically, we can accomplish a lot more. Yeah, the, the job community is, is vibrant right now. I'm the same way. I get an email or a phone call or text message weekly, daily. Hey, do you know somebody that can be a new sales ops manager or director of RevOps? I yeah. love it. Like I said, I'm here for it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for the shout out. I think you and I, I think that's one of the reasons we're so aligned is we've been just constantly trying to just up level operations, right? From not just the technology and from a systems perspective, but just to the people and the community. So I love that. Um, and speaking about kind of sharing and experience and knowledge and all of that, over the past like six to nine months, I've seen you've kind of built out this amazing content on your csonar.com website, right? You have great resources which is another area I think that's been a deficit previous, kind of prior, pre-2020, I think has been a deficit in terms of places to go for operations um, expertise. So you've really built out this great resource for operations professionals, right? I've seen topics related to rev ops and sales ops and marketing ops and Salesforce, right? Data, right? All the things that are important to us, including like building out a team, right? Much, much more. And now you've also launched a series of shops, shops talk. (laughs) I love your very creative. I have to know whether you're the one behind the Wizards of Ops name and the shops talk, or if if you have a mastermind marketer or maybe you're a secret marketer (laughs) yourself. Yeah, so I will, by hook or crook, I'll say that I did come up with Wizard of Ops, and I don't, I'm not the most creative <laughs> person. One of my biggest struggles is naming conventions, and anybody that's worked with me in the past and creating fields and Salesforce are like, Brad, why did you name it that? Let's fix that. So I will, I will my one creative hair was WizOps, but um, I will say Shops Talk, I'm not going to take, uh, take credit for that. That was actually a community member of ours, uh, Jen Whalen who is a director of communities for the Trailblazer community at Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story here on Shops Talk, and, and I'm so excited about having you on it soon. I'm, I know our episode is <laughs> going to be phenomenal. But um, she, so she got added to WizOps organically. Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, hey, you know, you're in the Salesforce ecosystem. You're big in communities. You're big in operations. Love to have you join. And I need to look back to see who actually added it. I need to ask Jen, actually. But um, she was in our community for a little while. And she pinged me directly and she's like, Hey, are, are you the person that started this? 
And before I responded, I was like, Jen Whalen, LinkedIn director, <laughs> or senior director of communities and trouble. I was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I think Salesforce <laughs> is mad at me for, for starting this community. And I was like, yes, what, uh, is there something I could help you with? And she was like, I'm in so many communities and this is one of the most vibrant operations based and, uh, and operations focused. Um, you know, we've been, we as in Salesforce have been given this you know, sort of directive to empower and able and, and accelerate the operations world. You know, for the longest time, Salesforce's target market was you know, VPs of sales and VPs of marketing and, and, and true go-to-market leaders. And I think what they've realized over the you know, course of the last couple of years is that, spoiler alert, operations hold the keys to the castle and the, the, there's a big <laughs> buyer persona there and they uh, they want to embrace that and she was so excited she was like hey how can we partner together i was like again i'm here for it i'm let's let's talk about it let's let's get our heads together we have a phenomenal marketer on our team uh christine is our head of marketing and um you know we, we get her involved and we come up with this crazy idea like let's just talk let's do this little talk show this bi-weekly event let's get community members folks that you know typically are and this is just for the RevOps world in general RevOps is typically not the most celebrated role in organizations I'll just be blunt when I say it they're not the folks that usually get keynote speaking engagements at Dreamforce and other big things and so let's elevate these people which is a big uh, thesis or ethos for what WizOps is how do we elevate the operations community it's our it's our mission and she was like, let's get community members involved. Let's get folks to tell their story, how they got into it. Let's get thought leaders to come in. And, you know, so far we've done nine episodes to date. Uh, 10th is on the, on the radar and, you know, 11 and 12 coming in soon with you and a, a lot of other thought leaders. <laughs> and what I found was interesting about it, Salesforce wanted to lean in so much. How can we help sponsor it? How can we help, you know, just do anything on the advertising side? Which they've done, they've been a phenomenal partner to work with, and truthfully, with with no end goal of like, ooh, can we get the lead list? Can we start nurturing them? Can we do none of that. We don't do any of it. And again, this is why we keep WizOps and Sonar even separate. Um, we're here to elevate that community, and I'm a firm believer of if you if you bring value to everyone, they'll see that value and they'll find other value in you, and that's how they can come in later. But um, she was just so authentic and like, let's just drive growth. And so we started this series. Uh, again, we've, we've got a ton of really cool folks, you included, uh, for later this year of episodes. But it's really to bring thought leaders in. Uh, we change the topic up every week or every other week. Uh, we change the cast up. We have pets join every once in a while. And my dog's <laughs> sitting on my lap at times. So it's just been really fun. And I think the community really enjoys it. Um, and we're going to continue to do it. We want to hear from you know folks that are listening to this, that are in our community. How can we make it better? So it's been really fun though, so far. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I went to your site and I was like, whoa, it's because when I first looked, there was just a few episodes just kind of starting out. And it was just like, now it's like this whole <laughs> catalog of in really interesting topics and really great, just great engaging content. So really appreciate everything that you guys are doing over there. Of course. And so talking about elevating revenue operations, right? You and I've had this conversation like through Revenue Collective, I've featured you on RevOps Corner and talking about how RevOps is really the strategic differentiator, right? And enabling and optimizing the revenue engine. And I guess, you know, less from an operations perspective, but maybe more from a CEO perspective, right? What advice do you have, if any, for other CEOs, right? In terms of when to hire for ops and then what to look for when you hire? Man. Um, all, pun, all pun intended, it's a billion dollar question because I think yeah. every company that is out there chasing that billion dollar unicorn status 
can benefit from RevOps coming in. And and you're right. It is a matter of timing. It is a matter of knowing what you're looking for. So I I'm I took some really good advice very early on in in starting Sonar. I was talking to Don Otvos, uh, RevOps mm-hmm. leader in the space um, yeah. over at Lean Data right now. I've known Don from his sales loft days. And key advice that he gave me was hire early hire and create this foundation early, earlier than you think you need it, earlier than you really probably think that you need to go spend the dollars on it. Because he has a, an interesting perspective as well as I do that that when you hire too late for it and there's benchmark data behind hiring too late for it, you know, most folks bring on their ops person and around 50 headcount for the company and you keep that maybe 50 to one ratio sometimes. By that point, a couple of folks have already owned Salesforce and have made a ton of changes and made you know crazy things happen. And so somebody is inevitably <laughs> going to inherit this tech debt and have to clean up somebody's mess. And and just you, you, you take a step back and you think about that. It's like, well, I don't want to go hire someone to go clean something up. I want to hire somebody to go optimize for something. And so mm-hmm. we ate our own dog food. We we hired Mitchell. Again, he's kind of in a hybrid role. He's, he's half sales engineer, half rev ops for us. Uh, yeah. He was our 14th employee. And, you know, I'm going to be bullish on it. Can I do it? Yes. Is he better at me than do it? Absolutely. He's a way better <laughs> RevOps guy than I am. And so I'm going to hire up every chance I get in our organization. Part of our hiring strategy is to hire people that are smarter than us. Um, but I, I suggest that to any executive, any CEO, anybody that's leading a go-to-market team that's going to start bringing in RevOps, please don't wait till the house is on fire because there's only so much water you can pour on it build a steady foundation. And this is one of the true places where you can hire early and you can accelerate so fast. Everybody in an early stage company, whether it be from C or A or B or even C, where you're starting to think about embracing this, you can go and task this person to be your secret weapon because they're going to be so in tune to what data they're seeing coming into your systems. And they're going to help you analyze it and rationalize it. Don't don't think for a second because it's RevOps manager or director of RevOps or senior RevOps person. They are a business analyst also at heart because they're going to be so intimately involved with the data and just, just entrenched in it that they will be able to tell you things that are around the corner before you can see them. And I think that's just the edge that RevOps gives. And, you know, when we think about how do we resegment our, our teams, do we go after SMB and mid-market and enterprise? Well, let somebody like a RevOps specialist come in and tell you that. Let them quantify it with data. Let them tell you that, hey, we're killing it over here in mid-market. Maybe we pour two more resources there and one more person in enterprise. Um, I know the ACVs are different, but we can absolutely accelerate there. Those are the things that you want your RevOps person to just enable your company with. And so uh, I guess the the TLDR of that, hire early, <laughs> please. Um, you know, the roles are different when you look for in that certain hire. Um, I've never been a person of titles. Hire for a problem. If you have a problem in your company, go hire and solve for that. Uh, titles have worked themselves out, everything else. I think we're all working in this fluid title world right now. We're trying to figure that out, to yeah. be honest. Don't solve a problem. Hire for solving a problem. Don't hire for solving a titles issue. So, but hire early. I, I can't like say that. enough. Please hire early. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's funny that you use the phrase secret weapon because I literally used that in an interview just, I think, last week. I said, RevOps is your secret weapon. <laughs> Is, so that's, I is. love that. Um, people always ask, and I'm sure you get the same question around that, right? Like, when when's the perfect time to hire, and who's the perfect persona? You know, the person, the perfect skill set to hire, and it all sort of does depend. But the one thing that I think holds true all along is hire early. 
as you said. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so as I think about the revenue engine, this podcast, obviously kind of pivoting back to this, the revenue engine scope, you know, I really hope that others will be able to really learn how to accelerate revenue, right? Revenue growth and really power that engine. So from your perspective, are there, you know, what are some of the key elements that you think about that you think will have the most significant impact, right? On Sonar's ability really to achieve and exceed your revenue goals. Besides hiring RevOps. <laughs> yeah. Besides hiring Hire RevOps early, <laughs> which you did already, so check. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think there's a, uh, and I'm going to steal this line, uh, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. That's a key yep. thing of mine. Um, but I would, I'm going to steal this from a good friend of mine, talked about him earlier, Pete Gazanji. One of his favorite analogies, and I embrace it fully, skate towards the puck. You have to know mm. how your puck, you know, if you're using a hockey analogy, you know, the puck is going at a certain speed. You have to be skating towards that. And you don't want to go too far ahead of it. You don't want to go too far behind it. How do you know how fast that puck is going? How do you know how fast your team should be going? You have to have data to support it. And I think you know the, the key to success for us, I think you have to be so realistic about it. Companies make this mistake often. Oh, I should have run a funding. Let me just go hire a bunch of people. Let me let me throw some people at it, and we're just gonna have a bunch of revenue. Like no, like you have to have product market fit. You have to have you have to know what your funnel metrics are. Do you have enough demand going on? Um, these are all key elements. You and I know this of just looking at the data all day and being in this rev ops and, and sales ops and marketing ops world. But I think it's so important because you can make drastically bad decisions if you don't make data driven decisions. And so you know we're gonna we're gonna live and die on it over here at Sonar. We we embrace the the data driven mentality. Um, we're gonna continue to grow at the appropriate speed. We're gonna make calculated bets. I think that's part of every you know, entrepreneur that needs to go and uh, you know figure out how to grow at, at the right scale and, and push yourself and have really good people in your corner to push you as well. But at the end of the day. You, sh you are, are the master of your own domain. Nothing also should catch you off guard. Um, things are inevitably going to change, but you should be so, as, as an executive or even as someone at an IC level, you should know what makes your company tick. And I think those are the key elements that will make a company successful. And less, a lot of it has to do with you know, your, your product vision, what you're solving for and how you're doing it tactically and objectively. But I do think you have to have such a sense of how your company should be growing. What are true form success metrics? And don't be naive to it. Oh, I'm going to go hire five AEs and they're going to have this perfect three-month ramp schedule. And I'm going to go hit two more million in the next five months. Like, probably not. Like, you have to account for some of the inevitable, the intangible. Make sure that you're not setting yourself up for, for failure because you're dragging an Excel spreadsheet across the page <laughs> if you think that that formula is perfect. <laughs> you know, really stress yourself and, and pressure test yourself and have really good folks in your corner that will push you on it. We have some of the best folks that are, that are you know, huge advocates for Sonar, some of our investors, advisors, um, and they keep me honest. I employ them to do that. You know, challenge me, beat me up, tell me where we can do better because <laughs> that's how we're going to make you know, make the best company out there. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. So as we wrap up, before I let you go, there's two things that I always like to ask. Yeah. So one is what is the one thing about Brad Smith that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is the one thing that you want everyone to know about you? The thing that they would be surprised to learn. Some people would be surprised and some people probably wouldn't. Um, but my, my wife and I, we are, are big advocates for 
uh, adopting pets, <laughs> adopting dogs. We currently have uh, four dogs at our house, uh, three of ours, and we're, we're fostering one. Um, and so we were just big advocates of, of giving back to our own communities. Sonar hat off, uh, WizOps hat off. How can we help uh, you know other folks and, and other entities in the world? And, and for us, passion projects are our pets and our dogs. Um, again, our our famous pug Frank has made a couple of uh, guest appearances on uh, on Shops Talk because he comes into the office a good bit. So um, I don't know, maybe that will surprise folks. It's, this will not surprise anybody. Um, I'm a huge Peloton nerd. If anybody that talks to me long enough knows that. Um, so if anybody wants to uh, to race on a Peloton, I'll even make a bet here. Um, We'll take demos for anybody that can beat me on Peloton. How about that? So oh. <laughs> um, we'll, uh, we'll we'll cast a line out there. But yeah, probably two things that most folks don't know or that aren't blogged about, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so yeah. I wanted to just thank you again for joining me, Brad. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, you know, talk shop. I can't wait to see what Sonar has in store next. You know, I'm going to be doing a deep dive into your platform here with one of your AEs shortly. And I already know I'm going to want it for our team and for myself. <laughs> yes, so thank you it. so much. Yes, Roslyn, thank you so much. I'm so excited about this podcast, everything you're doing. You're such a, a RevOps advocate and leader for us. And I can't thank you enough for uh, for being that uh, that megaphone <laughs> for everybody that, that is embracing the RevOps platform and, and mindset. Thank you. Absolutely. And same to you. We're doing it together. Yes, <laughs> thank course. you. Of course. Thank you. <laughs>